This episode of the podcast is brought to you by no one because we are not even published yet. My name is Dominic Leon with my co-host, Charles. And today we're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit. I'm not going to curse. You don't want me to curse in this podcast? doesn't matter. It's the internet. We can curse if we want to. Yeah. But if you don't... Yeah, fuck it. But um, moving on, we're going to have a couple conversations about some interesting topics Things that you people out there want to listen to, people that don't want to hear, but we're going to say anyway, and uh, we're just going to get right into it. So, Charlie, take it away. Uh, thank you, Dominic. Yeah, today's uh, today's topic, primarily, exclusively, or at least in part, is going to be about gun control. What does it mean, and how can we prevent the deaths of innocent Americans? Interesting. That's an interesting topic. And by the way, we're doing this with one microphone, so it's a pain in the ass having to bring it back and forth. I'm working on that to get a second microphone, but you people out there deal with it anyway for now. Gun control, preventing deaths. Well, my opinion is that education on gun control, education is key. That's where we should start. Back in the 50s, they used to actually teach children a lot about gun control in schools. Now they don't do that anymore. but Let's go with your opinion. What's your opinion? Where do you stand on the whole thing? Where do you think we should start making changes? And and what do you think would be a a good place to at least have a good start with coming up with different ideas? Well, as you know, Dominic, I'm a consultant in uh, in one of my professions, and I look at the the number of people who who die in this country. Approximately forty to forty-five thousand uh, die die uh, through through firearm death. Now that's a matter of fact number. That's not a you know you can fact check that number. Yeah, absolutely fact check. Okay. I, I believe it's it's between forty and forty-five thousand. Half of which approximately die by suicide, and half of which approximately are are homicide. Okay. So I look I look at at deaths by firearms almost exclusively in in a uh, like a risk risk mitigation or or risk control perspective right the 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 measures that are put into place have to have to reduce the risk and the hazard or at least the severity and likelihood by a significant amount for for each for each measure put into place if if for example we ban assault rifles how many how many deaths is that going to prevent every year versus something like expanding but now let me let me just let me let me just interject one thing. Now you say assault rifles. There's such a big conversation about the existence of well not not the existence but even the definition of assault rifle. Because everybody everybody assumes that AR means assault rifle when you and I both as as military, you know, I'm a veteran, you're in, currently in the military. We both know that AR does not stand for assault rifle, but a lot of people don't understand or even know that. Now, there is a big debate on what people consider an assault rifle or an assault weapon. And as a gun person that I would consider myself, I would assume that every single gun, firearm, everything is an assault gun or assault rifle or assault weapon, depending on how you use it. I mean, that can be debated, and I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, I mean, there, there's there's actually some some uh, uh, objectivity around that. So, an assault rifle, from from things that I've read, 
distinguishes distingu- distinguishes that particular weapon from what would traditionally be considered a battle rifle. So going back to World War II, or, or as recent as World War II and the Korean War, the the you know the the primary standard issued weapon was the was the M1 Garand. That was considered a, a battle rifle. Due to the and and you know but part of this I'm I'm again speaking as as a lay, in some respects as a layperson because I'm not a weapons expert, but my understanding is due to the caliber, length of barrel, and maximum effective range, that the the M1 Garand would be considered a battle rifle. The the a, AR platform was designed as a quote unquote assault platform, primarily meaning somewhat of a smaller ca- caliber and somewhat of a shorter range, again, compared to something like, like a Garand. But, now let me just, I just want to say there, so, because a lot of people use the AR as a um, as an example. However, there are rifles out there that fire the same caliber round as the AR, you know, both with the two two three and five five six because they're same diameter. However, these other rifles that can fire, that have the capability of firing the same caliber round, don't look as menacing. But meanwhile, you never hear about them. Because well, that's, that's part of the problem is that is that people people want to enact public policy without being very specific in, in the in the words that, that they use. Right? So you have looked that but that's it that's that that's an interesting position. Do you think that they should be specific in the wording that they use or should are because it really seems that they're just painting this this broad, you know, they're having a broad, you know, stroke across the board of every every single firearm that looks menacing, like the AR-15, is going to be deemed an assault rifle. But as I just said, we have other rifles that fire the same caliber rounds that just look like your everyday hunting rifle, and there's no mention of these. Well, that, that's that's the the thing about public policy and and laws in particular. Imagine if if speed if speed laws just said. Don't go too fast or you'll get a ticket versus saying 45 miles per hour or 75 miles per hour, right? There, there would be no way, there's no way to enforce laws that, that are specific and, and really but the, that is the ex- a specific law. You the, can't go past 45 if it's during the 45 miles an hour zone. That's right. But what if the law said, don't go too fast? You get a ticket if you go too fast. What's too fast? Exactly. Too fast to whom? Yeah. Too fast on what road, right? What do you consider too fast versus what I consider too fast? It, it, exactly. Imagine how many people would be getting speeding tickets and, and, and how many people would be arguing with cops on a daily basis on video and YouTube saying, well, no, I wasn't going too fast, right? So, so laws, especially those with, with criminal, criminal penalties, have to be specific. And when, when words or terms used in those laws are mean different things to different people in different circumstances, it effectively me- causes the word or term to be meaningless. I see. <laughs> so in that case, then, what, what would you follow up with, as you were saying earlier, and I, and I know I kind of um, side-stepped side, uh, you there with the assault rifle definition, but then how would you, how would you move forward as far as Addressing the deaths and the gun control issue. And I'm just going to put this in there. How would we address it without saying to the people that we want to repeal the Second Amendment? Because I know both of us are not in favor of that. But we also do recognize that people are still shooting each other. You know, there is, 
And I'm not going to get into the whole thing with, you know, this is happening more in, 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 in blue states and in red states and in Democrat-run cities and in Republican-run cities, because we can complain and argue about that all day, but it gets us nowhere. This episode should be based on factual information, or at least things that we can fact-check and, you know, uh, we can verify this way, with the information that we can gather, we can potentially come up with a much better solution, as opposed to an in-office politician who is going to go with whatever lobbyists or whatever their personal interests or whatever their party's interests are. What about the public's interests? What can the public do in order to change their perspective of far, as far as gun understanding and gun education and Perhaps, you know, let's let's uh, put a dent on these numbers and lessen the numbers as far as people shooting each other. Well, part of the problem is that too many too many politicians and and too many constituents want to form policy based based on fear and and sub subjective perception. So right now, like I said, there's there's about 20,000 people that die due to homicide and 20,000 people that, that die due to due to suicide. That's and that's n not even mentioning the the X number of people that that uh, are are injured in whether critically or not due to firearms every year. <clears throat> Something like 90 percent of the of the um, of the homicides are conducted in the in the uh, or, or occur during the conduction of of a crime, typically a violent crime, not not necessarily uh, uh, the murder of someone being the crime itself, right? It it could be burglary, larceny, right? It it could be it could be gang violence. Point is, and this is this is this is this data has been compiled. Uh, like I said, approximately ninety percent are are in the commission of a crime. More importantly, or or, or uh, further, it, it's been documented that a majority of those, again, I think it's also ninety percent of those of those homicides or the weapons themselves were legally purchased at one point however the the perpetrator or person who who fired the weapon at the time usually has has purchased that weapon illegally so it it stands to reason that if we if we limit and start to reduce the the flow of illegal weapons into into typically uh, uh, you know, liberal cities and liberal states, then we can reduce significantly the number of homicides in during the commission of a crime. Okay, but now here's my here's my uh, my question. You said that some some of these uh, some of these firearms were, at one point were purchased legally. Actually, ev ev I, I want to say every uh, almost every firearm, something in the high nineties percentage. And we can fact check that because, I mean, as far as you have cities like Miami and, uh, and places in Texas, you know, anywhere in the Gulf, there's a lot of uh, firearm, uh, illegal firearm import from South America, from Mexico, you know, and they're coming in. And those are not what the U.S. would consider, uh, I guess, what they, what they would consider legally purchased firearms. No, for, for sure. They're it's coming in on the black market from wherever they're coming it, from. I mean, is. I don't know of a place here in America where you could buy an AK-47 unregistered, <sighs> you know, fully I, automatic. Fully no, automatic. Sure. That's just, there, you know. There are, there are weapons that, that enter this country 
like you said, that, that, that come from the black market that are Ill- illegally smuggled and illegally imported. The data that I've seen show that, that, uh, that is a small number. As a matter of fact, Hold on, it's just I hear the, the fire engines. Through the... Yeah, yeah, I hear it all. But just relax for a little. I'll, I'll cut all that out. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I just, but I don't want, the, like, the background resonance. we got to set it up. we got to put mattresses on, the, on these walls. Mattresses? <laughs> <laughs> we do that, people think I'm doing other shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> don't touch the wall, it's sticky. Um, okay. Let's continue. Yeah. So, so as as far as the data that that I've seen, uh, it it showed that, or that data showed that that uh, of the ninety percent, a a overwhelming majority, uh, those those homicides were committed by by firearms that were at one point legally purchased and and legally manufactured, and that's that's th- there's in some respects there is there's a straight path between the the as far as paperwork goes between the purchase of the firearm and the commission, right? If, if a, if a firearm has still has a serial number on it, then, then ATF saves those records for some, something between three and five, maybe even more, more years. Right. So, so any, any criminal investigation now can look still, at that serial number. But they only save that serial number to say between three and five. You would, you would think that right now, you would think that now with everything being digital and much easier to, to save and compile that they would actually be able to, save those serial numbers for a lot longer because now i from what i understand we have technology that even if these serial numbers are grinded down we shut up get out get out get out get out you're quiet you can stay get out I don't know. I've seen it. They use chemicals, and um, I don't know what the name of the chemical is, but they can put it on the area of where the serial number was, and it'll raise the impression of the original serial number on these on these weapons. Now, if you, again, we're in 2021, you would think we're in the dig- digital age, you know, compiling information. Uh, one serial number and a little bit of information is only going to take up a, a couple of KBs of information you know, on anything. And I'm sure, and, and we've seen it, you know, you and I both work on computers almost every day and we understand how much information can be saved. And, you know, for example, just my external hard drive, that's one terabyte. How much information do you think I can hold on to that as far as how many people's information and, and serial numbers per person, if they have multiple rifles, can I, you know, can I have on one terabyte of information? And I'm sure the ATF can afford more than one terabyte of information. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's p- part of the problem and part of the point is, is that there are, there's legislation that can be passed that, that would enhance current law enforcement's ability or, or the, the law enforcement's current ability to, uh, to, to stop the, the flow of these illegal weapons, right? So that's an easy one. Why, why shouldn't and why can't uh, law enforcement agencies First of all, have better collaboration because there's it's been proven that there are gaps in in the data sharing and collaboration, and and why can't the the uh, the length of time that that information saved be be extended to virtually forever, right? 
there's no there's no time limit on on when a firearm could be legally purchased and then used to commit a crime, right? What if it's longer? If it's 15 years after the the manufacture and purchase, shouldn't law enforcement have the ability to, to to track that? Now here's here's another you know sort of statistic and and, and talking point is that is that the the firearms that are used in homicides typically are are held and those homicides occur typically in states that are that are more liberal or more democratic also in states that that typically have have stricter have stricter gun laws so where do those firearms come from more than likely they're coming from states that that have that have less that have less stringent firearms laws well there there's two options we can either we can either uh, uh, further restrict the the uh, ability of of people to to purchase those firearms or, or it, at least, at least make it make it more uh, more difficult for them to to own them and continue to keep them and carry them, or we could focus on the on the uh, uh, on the you know further down further down the spectrum further further down the the, the process, and and enhance the the um, the the law enforcement's ability. Well, how do we do that? There are gaps in the in the history, if you will, of firearms. So a firearm can be purchased in Florida, for example, uh, by, by somebody who wants to do the right thing and purchase it legally. They'll show their the driver's license in Florida. There'll be a, a, a federal background check, whatever they do at the, at the time of the purchase. And that individual will, will walk out of the gun store. Well, Florida, I believe, is one of the states that doesn't require, uh, that doesn't require any sort of paperwork or, or um, paper trail to to pass on a firearm be, between private individuals, right? Right. Like the there was that case a couple of years ago where the father bought the firearm and gifted it to his son and just gave it to him practically. And I don't think there was any paper trail for that. And then the son went on to commit some crime with, with that same firearm. And that I think that happened uh, maybe two, three years ago. Sure. Now, now that that's... That's sort of a, an easy case where where we know who purchased the firearm, who the firearm was given to, and then ultimately who who committed the homicide. Well, the majority of homicides are committed with firearms where where we know the the individual possibly if, if it was recent enough. Uh, we know the individual who who purchased the firearm, but we don't know to whom they they gave it or sold it to. And we we and when I say we, I mean we law enforcement law enforcement doesn't know how how or or through whom the firearm made its way to for example new york city well there there need to be measures in place either at the state or federal level that require a paper trail for firearms so it's well, let me let me ask you a question i mean not to, and i'm sorry to interrupt you but there's a lot of cases of these same firearms that are purchased legally and you know, let, we have to admit to ourselves there are people out there doing nefarious, you know, things, and they say, "Well, I'm going to buy this firearm legally, sell it illegally, but just claim it's stolen." Mm-hmm. You know, then that's also a thing. And I mean, but there, again, there's so many times that a person can do that until they start, you know, putting up red flags with 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 uh, law enforcement and insurance companies. As far as I know, there's there's other than it raising red flags. There's nothing that that there's no ultimate impact on those individuals. And like you said, how many how many traffickers are there in this country? 
how do they how do they obtain their weapons or or more specifically uh who who are they obtaining these weapons from and if we can if we can identify the 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 highest um the 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 people who are doing this the most often then there should be laws that stop them from from obtaining firearms or fines and or jail time because in in effect while they're not pulling the trigger they are they're they're like a, a drug dealer uh, on the street right the the drug dealer isn't pushing the heroin into someone's veins yet we hold drug dealers accountable it's illegal to sell to sell heavy drugs and they right. go to prison right yeah that's a good point we don't you know we're not you know even though the the i mean the pharmacist releases the percocet to the to the patient but they're not forcing it down their throat yeah. you know and then if they overdose on on a legal prescribed medication we're not arresting pharmacists but we're we're arresting street level drug dealers, right? Right, but again, but that street level drug dealer is not holding a gun to the user's head and say, "Inject yourself with this drug right now." They're, they're they're still they're still held accountable, right? They're still they're still you know serving serving jail time. And the yeah. difference between the I mean, the difference is that that heroin and and most drugs are illegal versus versus the the Percocet, right? If 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 and funny enough, they come from the same plant. Right. Okay. In some case, heroin and, and Percocet. Right. But if if you know, I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm sure there are cases where pharmacists have been arrested for for effectively pushing pushing drugs. Right. Either they're oh, yeah. selling. They had a whole Netflix special on on what's her name. As it was a female doctor, and she was pushing Percocet somewhere in the South. I don't know if it was Louisiana or somewhere. And uh, they caught her, and she was putting out, I mean, thousands of prescriptions for Percocet and Vicodin, and then she got hooked onto it. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. I, mean, but, I don't I mean, know if it's still on Netflix, but if it is, you should watch it. I, I mean, if, if again, I'm sure there have been pharmacists that have been caught taking taking some some pills off, off the top of what they produce, right, and selling it to friends and family. They've committed a crime. And even though they haven't, I mean, even if there's no overdose in those cases, they've, they've, they've supplied a substance. They've, they've, they've supplied something physically that, that has been used to hurt, to harm others. Right. So there, there, there shouldn't be any difference. Again, I'm not saying that we, that we, that we punish, uh, legal, legal firearms owners and purchasers, but there is a difference between, between purchasing and owning a firearm in good faith and and using the the rights and privileges that you have in this country under the Second Amendment to to essentially uh, uh, supply drug not drug dealers but to supply criminals. But now let if me you're supplying let, criminals. You, you've you've done something wrong. I don't care if you purchased it legally. No, and and I agree with that. Now my 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 question is this also: What about I mean? Because we understand. I think we had this conversation a few weeks ago, and I think I'm, I'm I mentioned the same thing I'm about to mention. As we understand, different states have different laws. As we just discussed, Florida has its own set of rules and, 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 and laws and how to buy a firearm, how to go about it, what the uh, background checks entail, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have cities like New York City where the process makes it, you know, just um, almost impossible to own a firearm unless you're, you're fall under. tedious. Yes. And, and, and unless you fall under certain circumstances, they do make it pretty much impossible. Just by the process alone that you have to go through, it makes it that you just want to not have a firearm because it's just not worth the hassle. But 
it's the cities like New York that these illegally purchased firearms end up. By necessity. By necessity. But I mean, if, but it's not if because... Every state, if every state were like Florida, you wouldn't have an illegal gun trade. That's true. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But it's not the case. And that's where I was going to. Where do you think the country as a whole, all 50 states, Hawaii, Alaska, and the lower 48, if we had a federal law that was just blanket across all 50 states and the territories, you know, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, Guam, etc., that, you know, federally had you had to fall under a certain guidelines if you wanted to purchase a firearm. Blanket law. It's not prohibiting you from purchasing a firearm, but at the same time, you know, you can't go to another state because it's it's less restrictive and try to get away with, you know, sneaky stuff and try to kind of backroom, backhanded stuff. And as opposed to, well, it doesn't matter what state you're in, what state you're in, what process you're using, it doesn't make a difference. You try to buy a firearm, the system will be the same in New York, as it would be in Seattle, as it would be in Texas, as it would be in Idaho, etc. What if the country had something like that in place where, in my opinion, not only would it make it easier to understand the rules and the regulations as far as how you would go about purchasing a firearm, but it would also make it a lot easier for the country to track those firearms as, an, as, as a complete entity. Not that just the ATF has to go to whatever state that they're in. No, they can go to one system and say, I know that firearm was purchased in this state, and then this person still owns it, even though they moved to this other state. Doesn't matter. And it should be required by law that if you own that firearm, that you register it, since they already know you bought it, that you register it in your new state of residence, even though they know you're still the original owner. Well, I mean, the, the, multiple things with that, right? First of all, you know, that, that's not the system that we have. The system we have is, is you know, and, and neither one of us are lawyers, but essentially, right, we, we know that, that um, the, the division between state and, and federal powers essentially essentially necessitate that each each state have their own have their own fire set of firearm laws but you're right there there ideally there there should and needs to be consistency right from from even from speaking you know somebody who who has a concealed carry permit when i when i travel across the country i'm i'm not just vigilant but almost paranoid to double double and triple check the the laws of of the state that I'm traveling to so that I don't I don't accidentally uh, break the law right it, it it makes no sense that I can carry my weapon to up to something like 38 states but I can't carry it on, on my person as long as I'm, I have no felonies and have committed no crimes um, that I can't carry it on my person in, in the other 12 states it's it's ridiculous but again from 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 the perspective of, of mitigating uh, deaths or, or l- reducing the number of people who die by a, by a homicide, at least from firearms, uh, the, well, I mean, to, well, not, 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 not to interrupt you, but I, here's a, here's a, a, an interesting little thing. I just, I thought of it, as you said, that specifically homicide by firearm, as we know, not all deaths by firearm are a homicide. A lot of them are police officers, you know, shooting suspects, you know, whether they're innocent or not. That's not the topic of conversation we're having today, you know. 
Store owners protecting their property. Fuck Homeowners. The huh? Fuck the police. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna hit it. (laughs) JK, why can't we edit that? We're gonna edit that. (laughs) As we were saying, what the hell? (laughs) You completely. (laughs) Okay, so there's. You know, you said death, you know, homicides by firearm, but it's not just homicides. It's, you know, police, you know, using their firearms in, in you know, in, either in protecting uh, the, the, you know, the, the citizens of a city or, or protecting themselves or, or what have you. But also you have shopkeepers, storefront owners that are, have to protect themselves with firearms, homeowners that they get in, you know, somebody breaks into their house and then they kill their, in, you know, the home invasion assailant or whatever. Those deaths, you know, are, can we account? Can we say that those are homicides? No, those, as far as I know, those aren't tracked as homicides. Those are, but they have, but but they are like tracked nonetheless. No, for for sure, there's there there's X number of people above forty thousand or whatever the whatever that number is that that die due to firearm, either either because because of an interaction with a police officer. Or, or because somebody shot them in, in self-defense. But those aren't, those aren't tracked in the homicide and suicide numbers as far as I know. But are they not tracked in death by firearm? Yeah, somewhere. Sure. Right. So, can, so now, somewhere. But are those same numbers, if they're, if they're tracked, death by firearm, if they're tracked, and even if we're not saying they're homicides, they're not suicides, but can those numbers be skewed in order to fit a narrative? Say if the person's saying, well, we have X amount of deaths by firearm a year. And it's in this, it's this astronomical number. However, hold on. But, the, but, to... but wouldn't the critical thinker say, okay, you're saying that and I believe you, but what's the breakdown? What's the ratio of those, of, of those deaths? Like how many of them are actually murders? How, how many of them are, are suicides? How many of them are you know, self-defense situations. How many of them are accidental? You know, we've heard numerous times kids playing with their, you know, their their irresponsible parents' firearms and they shoot themselves by accident or they shoot their friends, you know, it happens. But can those numbers be used to fit a narrative in order to go against the Second Amendment you know, as far we both understand that certain political parties will try to to do that in order to fit a narrative. Now, I'm not trying to play the the one side versus the other. I'm, I'm stating things that we've both seen over the years happen. You know, it's it's the same way as say I've seen this. I, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I've seen I don't know maybe it's because of the videos I watch. I watch a lot of boring stuff. I don't know, but for some reason, everything I watch, I think it's because a lot, it's a lot of educational stuff and, and things I want to learn from. Even if I don't agree with it, I'll still watch it because I want to learn. But I've seen this commercial pop up on YouTube that say, you know, if 99% of scientists says, you know, told you climate change isn't real, would you believe, you know? So it's okay, but you're not, everyone knows climate change is real. But it's, is, it's, is it, is it because of what you're telling me that it's the industrial complex and it's the cars on gas emissions, it's this and that? Or is it what these other scientists have said that I've heard a million times say? So yeah, climate change is real. 
but it has nothing to do or it has such a the amount that the carbon footprint that humankind puts towards the climate change is it's very low it's not negligible but it is it's close to it to a degree because climate change has been part of earth's history since earth became earth we're we talking we're talking uh, uh no, no, no. climate what change or we're talking about fire no no fire no well, what i'm saying is a commercial like that because they don't specify what they're talking about it's almost just it's a it's like clickbait in a commercial way where they're just trying to get your attention by saying these vague points of information same way a political party would say there's been x amount of deaths by firearms okay but you're not well, telling me you know how these deaths have occurred because if they have if they have occurred by self-defense <laughs> i'm all for that yeah you know what then that should be tell me that number and make that number public to make it a deterrent for future you know, for future assailants to not break into my house, to not break into my business. And the police, they want to say, okay, well, in, in the police's uh, area, I would say perhaps there needs to be better measures and better education on a firearm because it's like when you're comparing police with military. Military, we go out there, well, active duty, we would go out to the range constantly. And we're always cleaning our weapon, learning our weapon. We slept with our weapon. It's all that kind of nonsense. You know, we, we, we did that. But police officers go through their training. And, you know, for the most part, have to pass some psychological uh, examination or whatever, depending on what state you're in and depending on what their regulations are but uh, or requirements. But New York City, for example, you're required to see a, a psychologist. But still, you know, what's their level of, of training once they graduate, you know, from my understanding, it's up to them. They have to maintain that that level of training. Well, I find that unacceptable because you're asking a person to take time out of their daily routine when officers work from what we both understand. And at least I, I think you know this from, New York, you know, you lived in New York. We all know cops who say I work my regular shifts and then I work crazy overtime. So now also, on top of that, you want me to be responsible and I have to take myself we'll from the little time off that I have and I have to go train myself on other things. And this should, I think the police officers, the police departments should be held more accountable in, in maintaining a level of education and training for their officers that are that is mandatory. Because then I think the, the level of, of self-control and gun uh, con gun control with as far as the police are concerned um, homicides or accidental deaths or, or even even purposeful ones by, by negligible, you know, negligent police officers can be can be stopped or at least reduced. And then we can only focus on the illegal firearm gang violence and, and what have you, and then the homicides, you know, whatever. So I know I know I spoke a lot, but I, I and I know you have a million points to everything I said. You wouldn't shut the fuck up. I you know gave, you gave you gave our listeners a preview of the next episode <laughs> on why Dominic wants to defund the police. Okay, I don't want to defund the police. I want to give them more money for training. I want to give them more money for training. I want them to learn more and be trained more. You know, on the next episode, we'll find out why Dominic's a big fan of, of uh, NWA. So, um, <laughs> all right, right. So, so. You know, on the one hand, there's, there's, as far as I know, that there's, there's almost nobody saying uh, that that increased gun control will will reduce the number of of people who die uh, who die. You know, the, 
through firearm, but when, when that firearm was, was held by a police officer, right? So that's, that's another topic. There's, there's, there are, are certain, there's a lot of opportunity. Go away. Go away. Now. Right now. All right, fuck you. Go ahead, keep going. There's a lot of opportunity for, for the number of individuals who die, who die at the hands of, of a police officer to, to be reduced, whether innocent or, or not. But again, that's, that's, that's a topic for, for another day. But as far as, as whether or not, uh, increased legislation on firearms will reduce that, I don't, there's, there's, I don't think there are many, if any, voices that, that are saying that. Right. But your, your other point was, was whether or not the, the, the data that does exist. And oh, by the way, there's, there's a lot of gaps in the data. Right. And, and, you know, any, any large scale complex, complex problem that has multiple variables cannot be, cannot be effectively, uh, fixed or addressed when, when there are gaps in data. It's, it would be like if, um, you know, if, if, if some company, right, if, if Tesla uh, wanted to sell more cars and Elon, uh, Elon Musk asked, asked his executives, okay, well, how many cars do we sell? And they're like, mm, I don't know. We don't know. Well, let's take a guess. I don't know. Five cars, 10 cars. Elon Musk would turn to them and say, get me the exact number. And then we can, then we can design, design strategies to increase that number. Right. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's asinine to, to try to come up with public policy when there's, when there's gaps in information. In any case, yeah, the existing data can can be manipulated. The existing data can can be used to to generate talking points. The the two biggest problems that come out of that are are again individuals that would ask their elected officials to design laws and public policy based on fear and and subjective subjective ideas and and based on feelings for lack of a better word. Uh but but the other the other problem is just as prevalent Right, because there's there's there are individuals who who allow their fear to dictate their their desires for for public officials on both sides, right, liberals and conservatives. Uh, but the the other the other problem that's just as prevalent and and is a significant issue in in this country and, re, and really in, in Western society is the people's lack of ability, for the most part to to see through misinformation and disinformation people think they they think that you know that they're the they're critical thinkers uh people believe themselves to be able to see through the bullshit and to be able to to effectively sort through the information to de- determine what is credible but many studies have showed that that they're unable to do that so like you said if you tell somebody people if you tell someone that um Let's just say they forty. They, someone is told forty five thousand people die because of guns, and then they're asked, "Should we limit the number of guns?" Well, some people who think that number is a high number will say, "Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we we should probably limit that if if that's the number of people who are dying." How many people are going to ask? Well, how many are uh, how many of those deaths are homicides? How many are suicides? What are the what are the circumstances like, around like around those said, homicides? Like yeah, said, exactly. You know. Right. So what's the breakdown of these numbers? The, people what, want to know. What, what's because those numbers matter? They they matter b- because of the implication, right? So again, if if not if 90% of of homicides are conducted during the commission of of a crime, 
and something like 90% of those weapons at the time of commission of said homicide were illegally owned, then the question becomes, how can we reduce the number of, of illegally owned weapons? Versus, hypothetically, if, if they were all legally purchased, then, then the question would become, well, how, how, can we, how can we mitigate the risk of individuals committing homicides who purchase firearms legally? But that's just not the case. And that's why Joe Biden is the best president this this country has ever seen. We're going to edit that part out, too. <laughs> okay. Where are we at? Where are we at We're at 40 minutes. We need to double that. Okay. Well, you figure... Hang on. You figure with... Uh... We're back. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Chuck and Dom. Today, we are discussing whether or not Justin Trudeau is the illegitimate bastard son of Fidel Castro. I'm going to say this for the record. I'm not calling him Chuck. <laughs> Chuck and Dom. Come on. I don't refer to myself as Chuck, but I mean for, 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 for the gram, you know? It's all for the gram. No, it's not. I, I'm sorry. I'm not calling you Chuck or any, for, or any other form of steak. I'm, I'm, I'm today's edition of Charles and Dominic. Anyway. Uh, so, Dude, but don't you think that Charles sounds a little bit more sophisticated than Chuck? He does, and Chuck? my name is Charles, and I introduced myself to Charles, and I go by Charles. I, no, I'm not for, calling you Charles. For Chuck. purposes of the show. Listeners or whoever listens to this podcast, when the time comes, I want you to all please all right. tell us why we should not use the name Chuck, and we should just call him Charles. I don't, I don't ask you people to call me Dom. You can call me Dominic. You can call me Dom if you want to. But Chuck is a whole different thing. On today's episode of Chaz and Nikki. What are you, a transgender now? Chaz? Chaz Bono? Oh, Chaz Bono, everyone. Our special guest, the one and only daughter, now son of Cher, is with us. Chaz, how was that uh, How was that whole transition for you? Are your pubes different? Does it change because of the hormones? What is it like? Is the line on top different now? Or does the gunt kind of cover everything I, I wouldn't know. Uh, I do not have an ounce of hair in my body. I had laser hair removal several years ago. And... That's gross. That <laughs> means your whole body's all clammy and wet all the time. <laughs> What's with you and the word clammy? This man doesn't like anything clammy. Not even clams. Trudeau is clammy. <laughs> anyway, um, let, let me tell you why Justin Trudeau cannot be the illeg illegitimate bastard fuck child of Fidel Castro. By the way, I know we were talking about gun control earlier, but we're 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 just this is all part of the ongoing podcast experience and having open conversation and open debates uh over open subjects of debate. <clears throat> As I was saying, when a secret is predicated on x number of individuals, not saying something to anybody. And X is very subjective, right? But you can imagine a number, several hundred, you know, pr probably 200 is, is right around where I'd have to ballpark the number. If 200 or more individuals know a particular secret, that it, it's no longer, no longer a secret, a secret. It's, especially if it's, if it's juicing up, right? right? So 
I don't know much about the Trudeaus, Justin Trudeau or or his parents, but from from context and reading some things, it sounds like his his father was was a politician. Yeah, Fidel Castro. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's Canadian father, uh, from whom he takes his last name, was a a politician, and he and his wife at some point in the late sixties or early seventies visited Cuba. During that one documented visit in that period of time, supposedly Justin Trudeau was conceived. Well, he was born e- either a year prior to or or I think it might actually have been a year after that documented visit, which means it would have been either a 12-plus-month gestation period, right? Or more than likely, because no woman has, has carried a child that we know of, or at least that I know, for 52 weeks, uh, it was either that or uh or he is not Justin Trudeau is not the child. More importantly, again, could could that one visit not have been Margaret Trudeau's only visit to Cuba? Sure, but the wife of a politician from halfway across the world traveling to small Caribbean island would be known. How did she get there? Did she take a boat? Who who was the crew of the boat? Did she take a plane? Who was who was uh, the, the cabin crew and, and piloting that plane? But On top no, of which, politicians. No, 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 but just because just the, po- uh, politicians and their spouses but just don't just travel they, oh, without without their entourage and and, and but coordination happening. But even if the entourage was there, and even if all this coordination happened, you think they all took it to their graves. It, no, maybe they don't know because the only two people that know for sure, Fidel Castro took Trudeau's mom into a fucking broom closet, banged her out for when, five during minutes. during that one visit? It could, maybe or maybe on the second or third visit. We don't it know. It was one documented visit as far as I've read. What if Fidel Castro went to, went to Canada? Was he welcome in Canada? I'm almost positive he has, has never left the island of Cuba before he died. I'm pretty yeah. sure he never left. No, he no, he left because he was all around South America. He was constantly this I know for a fact. He was constantly in Paraguay, Uruguay, Venezuela, in Bolivia, Chile, always asking the South South American countries for help financially with Cuba so that they can become because they wanted to have that Latin American connection and that Latin American unity. This I know for a fact because he actually went made trips to Puerto Rico while I was there and constantly uh, asked the the Puerto Rican politicians to give up their. Ah, yes, their... there's one documented trip of Fidel Castro to Canada. It was 1959. It was uh, before, way before Trudeau. Way before, yeah, Trudeau, way before Trudeau. Okay, but he's gone there. Documented. documented. What about undocumented trips? You think Fidel Castro? You think Fidel? You think name anybody? Nikita Khrushchev, uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. You think they can take international trips without dozens, if not? A hundred or more people knowing? Yes. No. Absolutely 100%. No. People would... No. Get get the heck out of it. Again, if a secret is predicated on on one to two hundred people or more knowing, it's... it's Then it's... A but who says it has to be one to two hundred people? Why can't it be just him or her, the pilot, and whoever else one or two people are with them because international travel for for politicians and their wives especially you know high ranking ones is well known well documented followed there there's coordination that needs to be made it's not just a handful of people that 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 would know this isn't like uh you know i disagree i mean respectfully you know you you could say the the earth is flat but you know we we know different for the record, whoever says the earth is flat should not listen to this podcast. 
Well, uh, for the record, we accept all listeners of all, <laughs> all walks of life. We are completely all-inclusive, diverse uh, listener base is is what we encourage. Okay, except for the flat earthers, they can they can go kick rocks, <laughs> go kick rocks over the edge of the earth. That's and, and then tell me when that happens. When you get to the edge of the earth, then I want to I want to know about it, <clears throat> Mr. Trudeau. If you're listening. I know that you're not Fidel Castro's son. Mr. Trudeau, I don't know, but I would love for you to take a DNA test and please prove it once and for all. But it has to be public. And release your birth certificate, for God's sakes. And don't say you're from Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Aloha. Mahalo to all my Hawaiian brothers and sisters. (laughs) Yeah, I'm from Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, he believes that like he believes he won the lottery. So, Dominic, the, on, on, on the topic of lottery, can you tell me why you think it's appropriate to defund the police? For the record, I do not in any way, shape, or form believe that the police should be defunded. I think they should actually get more money. So please do not believe Charles. Uh, it, it, it's an ignorant position to, to say that they need more money or less money. It, it, it belies a, 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 a misrepresentation of the variables that, that exist in, in, in policing and, and the criminal justice system. Okay, well, let's say they need more training, more in-depth training. Not the tra- training's not the issue. Training's not the issue. Not the oh, issue. please, Charlie, tell me the issue, please. How did we go from gun control to how to rein in the... the- well, we actually went from gun control to who's Trudeau's daddy... <laughs> to who, how are we going to rein in the topic of defunding or or more funding for the police? Uh, sorry, the, the topic now, just to clarify, is is the impunity with which police officers conduct their, their jobs. Where are you coming up with this information? <laughs> oh, my. Impunity. This is no. Oh, impunity, God. Yeah. Oh, I, all right. I, listen. Oh, my God. I... Ladies and gentlemen, I, I sincerely thought that Charlie was not a liberal, but with well, with that last statement, it really seems like you're flying the big Actually, blue flag. If anything, if anything, I would I would categorize that. First of all, I can't be put into a box. But second of all, I would categorize my last statement as 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 more. <laughs> I got too many muscles. It's um. It's because, uh, if, if anything, it, it would be categorized as more of a, a libertarian uh, perspective. Why? Because agents of the state who have the, the ability and permission to, to, uh, uh, to essentially take a life. 20 minutes? Yeah. Anyway, agents, agents of the state who are given the power to take, to take a life of a private citizen should not be should be held to a higher to the highest standard uh, uh, above that of of self defense that of a private citizen the point is uh the 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 state needs should have checks and balances especially on its on its power to to take the life of uh determine who who can live or die well you know and there's it's in and all right so now i'm and i'm gonna add to that there's there's an aspect of policing that i never agreed with that it seems to be you know i i am a big supporter of police i am and i and i think they should you know really be 
they should be held to a higher standard because they are in a position where, listen, if you're in a position where you can take a life, that means you need to be held accountable for the things that you do on a daily basis when you wear that uniform. However, you need to be absolutely sure that that death is going to be justified. And the, the, the data has has shown. Well, maybe, wait, 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 wait. But we can both agree that accidents happen and that that. that for the most part, not of course we know not always, but for the most part, when these accidents do happen, these police officers are held accountable. Not in not in all cases. No, 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 no. I didn't say all cases. No, I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't say all. But I didn't say all cases. I said most of the time, not all cases. Most of the time. But this is where I'm going with this. No, the, no, no, no. But but the, listen. But this is where I'm going with this. The problem is, and this is the reason why there's a big discrepancy in it is because for some reason. The police mentality has the same level of of secrecy as gangs, for example, where gang members don't want to snitch on other gang members. Police members, they say they have this unwritten rule, we protect the blue. So police officers are, are very rarely, if not ever, going to rat out another police officer. It very I'm rarely not, happens. That's true, but I'm not I'm not even talking about those. But no, but but that but that but that's the direction I'm going, and that's what I'm saying where more police officers would be held accountable because we very rarely do police officers ever police by themselves. They're always with someone. Sure. And someone is there to hold them accountable. And even, they are even, a witness. Even when just despite despite the, the what do they call it? The 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 blue the blue wall or or whatever the expression is. D- despite that, I'm not even talking about situations that we don't know of, because that that you know there there's that that line right that secrecy r- really p- prevents the public from from knowing the full details in situations like that i'm talking about cases and situations that that the public knows many of the details and that after the fact it turned out that the the individual that was shot and killed was not actually a threat and i'm not talking about armed versus unarmed because you don't have to have a weapon on you to actually uh, be a threat to someone's to someone's life mm-hmm. no i'm talking about uh the the circumstances where somebody was killed because they were holding a cigarette or because they were holding a a cell phone and it was dark and they were and they typically more times than not in those cases they're, they're the person is black but that's that's in 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 some regards beside the point right if, well, the numbers do reflect that it happens more to yeah, people than it does. Sure, to but but again, if it, it measures that hold that that change police behavior to result in less unjustified deaths will also reduce the number of African American deaths by by police. Right. In other words, if 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 cops. For the record, I don't like that term, African American, because not all blacks identify as African American. Fair enough, but I I don't know what the current what the current term is uh uh they call us white so this isn't this isn't a black or white thing they don't don't call us european americans they don't call us you know they don't call us uh mountain people they they just call us white people sure but i'm talking about police unjustified police uh police shootings right so
right on top of it. Oh, shit. Where were we? We were Justin Trudeau's daddy is Fidel. We've established that. And beyond a shadow of a doubt. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, Snopes is totally wrong. And uh, Trump should still be president. We've established that. And uh, whatchamacallit. And police brutality is not a thing. (laughs) That's the topic right now. Now, fact checking. So there's a one website that is the the definitive source, and it's www.thisisalegitimatesource.com. That is not a source. Of course, that's a source. That's the only thing you should trust. Above Fox, above CNN, above Snopes and Breitbart. Says who? Is, no, that's not even a website. I don't. I don't know. Actually, I, I'm there very are, curious. I, 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 I'm very, I'm very doubtful that there's an actual. To this, to this day, I don't think any journalistic media medium is 100% factual, because they're all in it for the clickbait. They're all in it for the. They want that 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 spice added to whatever brings you to click on whatever they have, even if it's a a bullshit Twitter post or whatever it is. It's all a lot of it is clickbait, and all these fact checkers that are out there. In my opinion, all the fact checkers are doing is digging into the same fucking rabbit holes that we go down, and then coming up with their own opinion. Because unless they were there. How are they debunking a lot of this stuff? Stuff that people have probably proven or disproven, but they just want to come up with whatever they have. It doesn't make sense you, to me. You'll be happy to know that this is a legitimate source.com is not an actual website, which, I'm, I'm which, which makes me think that the URL is available and I might actually purchase that for myself. I can go on GoDaddy and, and purchase, you purchase it. it right now, for right? Eleven ninety nine. Well, it depends on maybe somebody owns it, but the point is <clears throat> that fact checking is is not definitive. It it can never be definitive. However, sorting through the the almost infinite amount of information that is available on the internet is can can be done, right? It, it, <clears throat> distinguishing between misinformation disinformation and 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 truth is is an art but there are ways right Co- corroboration similar to to what people would do you know to to build a, a some kind of court case right a c- criminal case if 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 multiple websites multiple sources are are reporting on on a common a common aspect right what somebody said what somebody did <clears throat> how many people were were at a particular event right uh, the ob- ob- objective quantitative figures and there's some sort of consistency then then you can then you can be sure right uh d- discerning someone's but even in- so you can't be sure because that's a, a lot of that information is subjective to the listener that's like saying there's no such there's no such thing as as um as objectivity anymore in, in other words there isn't. It, it sure you handed me a glass of bourbon. What if this isn't bourbon? What if this is goat piss? Well, it tastes like bourbon, smells like bourbon, and gets me drunk. Pretty sure it's bourbon. For somebody to say, mm, I still think it might be goat piss, is fucking stupid. So, Kopi Luwak is a coffee. 
Damn it, the, the stuff that gets shit out of... Um, it gets shit yeah, out of yeah, a yeah. fucking tiger's asshole or a cat's asshole or whatever. And but, but that's what gives it its flavor. Sure. So you can legitimately say it's coffee with a hint of animal shit. But you're, I'm not going to tell you it has animal shit. I'm telling you it's Kopi Luwak. Sure. How, do you know, how do you know it, it doesn't have uh, ground up moon dust in it and you're not, not drinking part of the moon? Again, it's, it's, they're, they're nothing, I guess nothing can be known for sure, but many, many, many things can be known beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? But beyond a shadow of a doubt is knowing it for sure. No, not really. There's, there's always, again, it's, you know, what, what, what's the standard for, for court cases, right? Beyond a reasonable doubt, meaning there can, there's all, there can always be doubt and an alternate, ex, alternative explanation can always be, always be presented. But there comes a point where, where the alternative explanation just sounds more and more ridiculous based on the contradictory information, right? So, Yes, there's nothing is objective, but many things are still are still objective. Again, you're we're, we're using technology now that was designed by by engineers, right? What if this is witchcraft? What if it is witchcraft? It's probably not because we can we can disassemble it and and find the components and you know 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 that the circuits are working based on you know based on certain principles in physics, right? A hundred years ago, this would probably be considered witchcraft. Absolutely. I think you should wear these all the talk. You need to get what I'm getting. The sound? Everything. You should You should be included in, in our conversation. Oh, so you believe in, in, in inclusivity now. I, I believe in inclusivity, of course, but I'm, that doesn't mean that I'm... about I'm, diversity of thought? Do you think diversity in and of itself <clears throat> is a desirable characteristic? No. <laughs> <laughs> Because stupid people shouldn't be engaged in in an intellectual conversation. Stupid, stupid people exist in society. We have to share a society with stupid people. It doesn't mean I have to talk to them. But, they, but it, 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 they get to vote. And that's sad. I think you should take a fucking IQ test to be able to vote because there are some stupid people out there who just vote. You know, voting used to be used to be relegated to to uh, white white cis hetero landowners. Or just landowners in general, because in New York, in order for you to vote, you had the the law was that you had to own land in order to vote. And how many black black men and or minorities owned land in New York? Well, funny you should ask that. But in nineteen, I'm going to say in the 1910s. I'm talking about much further back. Well, let's well let's start in the 1910s, from where I know, where Central Park is located presently. There used to be a, a small town there that is no longer in existence, and you can look this up and you can fact check me, and I know you will. Of course. And in this small pocket of land, there were a very diverse group of people. There were Irish, there were black, there were some Italians, and they lived in what what New York politicians called a shanty town, but it was an actual little little like a small little uh, section of Manhattan where present-day uh, Central Park exists right now. And one of the benefits of these people, whether they were black or Irish, whatever, because they owned land, because they owned property, they were allowed to vote in New York. Now, mind you, New York has always been historically um, not anti-slavery, but 
you know, they weren't for slavery ever. It's right. it's there been were, more there were no economic pressures that, that were, that were right, right. I mean, so. they, there there was racism, of course, but there wasn't that aspect of racism where you know, well, we hate black people, but well, but that guy owns a piece of land, so he can vote. You know, according to www.thisisthetruesource.com. Of course, it is. AKA Wikipedia. Anthony Johnson. Wikipedia. Get give me the mic. Anthony Johnson was a black Angolan known for achieving wealth in the early 17th century. He was one of the first African-American property owners, and he had his right to legally own a slave recognized by the Virginia courts, meaning this was a black man in the, you know, early, uh, what, 17th century, early, mid 17th century that uh, not only owned land, but owned slaves as well. That bro is an entirely different podcast entirely different session because there are several examples of black landowners in the south that own slaves to further that point and not that i'm in favor of it but you know to the defense of these people the only reason they own slaves is because in order to be wealthy and that was the thing to do at the time, that's what they did. They were landowned, black African American landowners that owned slaves. But you don't believe in the term African American. I don't. I don't, but you want to be PC for the sake of the podcast, so I'm going to follow your rules, but I don't believe in African Americans as a term because there are also black people who don't identify as African American because they're not Africans, they're Americans. That just happen to be black. I identify as a as a chair. Does that mean I'm a chair? You can identify. Listen, there's men who identify as women, and yet here we are, 2021, having fucking parades. You know, I'm a gay man, and I'm not for the gay pride parade because I don't have pride in stupidity. My life is my own. I don't have to have a fucking parade and and, and ruin traffic and everybody else's day because of it. No. Now, there's, there's two different things we're talking about here. We've been talking about 50 different things here. And that's okay. Episode one of the... Episode one, we're establishing all the episodes to come in this show. We've established a good foundation of what you listeners are are going to expect. But we want to make we want to make one thing clear. We're going to talk about a diversity, a diverse... What the fuck am I trying to say? We're trying to we're we're going to talk about a diverse uh, talk about a lot of different a lot shit. of different shit, but this is just and to we give in you diversity as a as a positive quality in and of itself. We believe in diversity as a conversation topic that just gives us diverse conversation topics. As far as diversity within that, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm going to redline the fucking conversation because I don't believe in that much diversity. That's it. And I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. It's just, you know, hey, that's okay. I'm a minority within a minority that doesn't care. That's it. I'm going to redline the fuck out of this whole podcast. But what what happened to, uh, what else are we going to talk about today? Though? Well, did you, do you even know what redlining is? Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me? Oh, I would love to. Redlining is what the real estate agents used to do when they sold property to black folks in in urban in urban settings where they did not want black people to. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely going to get sued for copyright infringement. Pause that before we get sued for copyright infringement. 
Redlining is what real estate agents used to do in certain, they used to map out the uh, the available properties and they would draw red lines around certain properties and not allow minorities or anybody who was not white to buy properties within these certain areas. And when they would show properties to black or, or Hispanic families, they would only show them properties within certain areas, not going into these white areas. That's redlining. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is is historical policies uh, still have have meaning impact meaning and impact in in the present day and uh, no and and policies up up through the 1970s and 80s right uh, uh, legal policies government policies as well as as uh, policies that that private companies had such as banks um, may still reverberate through uh, through black and minorities uh, communities today uh, ultimately. Uh, possibly and probably resulting in the the, the continued uh, lack of uh, economic prosperity for the black community. I disagree. I I think now what has happened is that I I was I'm not a fan of redlining, although it was a thing, but because of redlining and because of cultural aspects of the different races, people, all those things combined have made people more comfortable surrounded by their own kind. So even if people have the ability to go into different neighborhoods, a lot of them choose not to because they feel more comfortable surrounded by their own kind. Is that something that's wrong? Possibly not, but other people can see it as as a problem. You go into a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood, Hasidic Jews do not want you if you are, unless you are another Hasidic Jew, they do not want you in their neighborhood. Chinese neighborhoods, the Chinatown, unless you're Chinese, they look at you like, why are you here? You're not Chinese. They don't want you to move in. Although Chinese love money, so if you have enough money, they'll they'll, they'll let you in. Uh, Italian people, Italian, you go into historically Italian neighborhoods, and you don't have to be Italian, but if you're not white, they're looking at you like, why are you here in this neighborhood? And unless you give them a right answer, they're going to want you gone. <clears throat> Uh, I, I will. I will say this: uh, there, there, m- many, many groups of people uh, do prefer to to surround themselves with with like minded individuals. Yeah, like so on, on on the one hand, uh, you know, there's there's uh, a, sort of an an evolutionary uh, uh, rationale for that, right? Uh, you know, t- tens of thousands of years ago, human beings we lived in in small groups, right? We lived in villages of 50, 50 to sixty people. Everybody knew each other. Uh, so, you know, with within the, those groups, there were there were families that 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 knew each other, right? And so, anybody that was an outsider was was a threat. There's there's a, there was evolution evolutionary pressure on early human beings to to have that sense of of community and seeing outsiders as a threat. Now, beyond that, you know how, how that how that applies how, how that applies today, specifically how how previous uh, previous policies and and. Uh, socioeconomic factors have contributed today, right? There are people who would argue that uh, that many, many, many white families today have have been able to to uh, either started out in the middle class or or have been able to join the middle class because of the the uh, the the passing on of wealth accumulated through through home and land ownership. And there were there were black families that weren't afforded that same opportunity, and perhaps would would be in in a higher socio socioeconomic status had they been afforded that opportunity today. Well, that was deep. 
It was pretty deep. However, that's what they call me, Mister Deeps. How? Yeah, I'm sure that's what she said. But uh, <laughs> so I have a different perspective on that. I I think from if you want to look at it from a racist standpoint and a difference in cultural standpoints, many non many non black people don't like when black people live amongst them. Not so much for the racist aspect of it, but what's the expected cultural impact that that is going to bring? So let's 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 break it down into a very very um, childlike, not even childlike. We don't have to go that deep. Let's break it down to a cultural uh, scenario. White people typically have parties inside, unless it's a birthday party. They're outside with the kids. You know, they're having a little thing. All right. Um, black people do family, what is it, the, uh, what do they call it, family reunions, which probably bring about 50 to 100 people deep into somebody's backyard, and think about that. You're in a white, predominantly white neighborhood, and, and you have a family reunion in your backyard, and you have 50 to 100 black people in your backyard. A person that's not black is going to see that and go, one of them is going to start some shit and it's going to be bad. You know, right? Even if it doesn't happen, that's the thought. And, or some shenanigans are going to happen. You know, you're going to, oh, these black people, oh, we're going to, they're going to smoke weed and they're going to play their rap music all loud. And it's just going to be a lot of nonsense. And they're going to be up until like the wee hours of the morning. And we're not going to be able to sleep. It's not me saying this. This is, situation upon situation where this has happened i mean case upon case this is happening constantly the problem is that it doesn't happen in a very isolated area where a lot of people can complain about it at the same time this happens all over the country so so what you're saying is uh racism is a significant factor in police brutality I'm saying keep your family reunions in public picnic areas away from residential areas and you'll be able to isolate any any instances that you'll have with the police because you'll be, you'll be able to talk to them in a very sophisticated manner and let them know that, hey, just because we're listening to rap, eating fried chicken and watermelon, and we're drinking not Kool-Aid, but the convenience store red and sugar water mix, because that's what we could afford... And but we're not doing anything illegal. We're not breaking any laws, and we're leaving everybody alone. And plus, there are no white people here for us to hurt. So please leave us alone. If if only it, it were that simple, right? I I can't think of of, of of a specific situation off the top of my head. But there are plenty. I want of... you to know that all of this is getting edited out. Oh, so then why the fuck am I still saying shit? <laughs> because I only edit out the parts where I sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, well, that explains everything. <laughs> Jesus fuck. By the way, it pick, picks up every every sound. Like, you I move your foot. You. I told you. But, I mean, fucking padded but, walls are going to fix that shit. It's the sensitive sensitivity of the mic. It's inside chair. It's inside noises. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, there have been plenty of, of, of real-world examples where where black men, men, women, children have been uh have been have been targeted by by white people calling police on them uh in and and 
it, it's sort of a, a, a well-documented phenomenon that, that many white people sort of use the police as their personal security force. And when they see people doing things that they don't like, they're going to call the police on them. Yeah. And, and in some cases they're, they're going to lie. And in other cases, they're going to tell the truth. They're, they're going to say somebody was, was walking while black or listening to music while black or, or, you know, standing while black or being black while black and the police are going to come and the, the person might end up dead. Whereas, whereas they, they, you know, the, the, the individual may have, uh, in, in some cases may have been an upstanding citizen, right? There, there was that, that example of that black first lieutenant who was, uh, who was harassed by, by the police at, at a gas station. I don't know if you're, you're familiar or you, you, you saw those videos, uh, the, the, the white police officer, uh, I mean, it, from the beginning of the video, and this was a body cam video. Oh, the, the uh, army lieutenant. Yeah, this was an army yeah, first yeah, lieutenant yeah. right out, outside of a base. He was at a gas station. He was, he was, uh, you know, I don't know why he was pulled over. I think maybe taillight or something. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the, the, this, this first lieutenant, he, he, I think he, I think the circumstances were that he, he didn't stop immediately because, uh, it was, it was on a side road and it was dark and he wanted, uh, he wanted to to essentially be pulled over in in a well well lit area, which is which is his his right. Uh, and the police officer, uh, I think he he came up to him, guns drawn. He was he was extremely aggressive. He was maced if, him. Didn't he, he, mace he, him? he maced him. He was irrational. I mean, he was he asked him to step out of the vehicle, and and he said that that you know the the first lieutenant said he was afraid of it for his life because of, of how the, the police officer uh, approached them. I mean, if we didn't have a, a, a double standard in society where, where any police officer could say they have fear for their life and shoot anybody that they want, uh, you know, I, I, plenty of times I, I want to, I, you know, I'm, I'm out of my house and I see people who, who, uh, who are acting stupid. And I just want to be like, Oh yeah, I'm afraid for my life. Let me go and shoot him. I'd be in jail, you know, in, in 10 seconds, but police officers, are are granted this this um this extreme leeway that that allows them culturally for lack of a better word to act with impunity right now there there are instances where where police officers are prosecuted sure but there are times when they're not prosecuted and maybe they lose their jobs maybe they don't but the wor the worst thing that happens sometimes uh, uh, short of, of criminal prosecution is them losing their jobs and what do they do they they go to another another police precinct another department another state city and and they get a job because that that record doesn't doesn't follow them well if you're if you one one last point i mean if if think about any any other uh any other high high stakes profession right if a doctor makes a mistake and if they kill somebody they might not be a doctor anymore right if you're a lawyer and you and you you do something wrong you're going to be disbarred and you can't be a lawyer again but if you're a cop and you kill somebody who had a cell phone you know what? Mistakes happen. It was a high pressure situation. Go ahead and, and get another job. I'm sorry. Maybe you don't have to go to jail, but I don't think you should be able to do that job anymore if you made that serious mistake. I, I agree. But I think police officers actually pay the price more often than you than I think society even realizes because we are just fed the information that we see in social media and in the news. There's a very cool uh, YouTube channel called Audit the Audit. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, you know, not to plug the YouTube channel, not another guy, but it's called audit, audit the audit. And, uh, all it is, is it's a, a, a vast amount. You hear my, my foot hitting the thing. Yeah. It's a, a lot of video footage of police officers, um, behaving a certain way, good and bad. 
And what this person does is uh, he reviews the video in a in a lawful manner. It breaks it down to how, like you know, he even he puts in these um, excerpts of cases, you know, in the past, and you know, people when somebody says, "Oh, I'm I'm filming this," you know, the police officers, uh, "Well, let me see some ID." He says, "I don't have to show you my ID," and the police officers, "Yes, yes, you do." You know, uh, he starts breaking it down, and it's beautiful. I mean. And he will give you the before, which is the, the video we're watching, and then he'll give you the after of what happened to that officer in the aftermath of that video. And then he will grade the officer, like this officer gets a C or this officer gets an F. But he will also give you the, the information on, well, that officer, it turns out, after this particular situation, was not just fired, but now this one went to jail. Or this officer got fired, or this officer got reprimanded and demoted. You know, he gives you this, these breakdowns, but because they're not high-profile cases, we don't hear about them a whole lot. So, so but it happens more often than people understand. One hundred percent. There, there are there are are le less known or or completely unknown circumstances where, where a police officer does something wrong and they're reprimanded or or they they lose their job. Right, it, short of of killing somebody. You probably won't. Short of killing somebody, or or short of somebody somebody re recording their interaction with with the police during a routine uh, interaction, you're probably not going to. And and if that video goes viral, you're not going to hear about it, right? Completely understand. And and the the number of of unjustified deaths, unjustified coming out after the fact, uh, by by police are relatively low. But we are a at a point where where the the not the percentage but the actual number of instances are documented and they they happen almost on a daily basis and there's there's a lot of video evidence of of the actual of the actions that were taken by 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 the police officer and by the person interacting with with the police officer and and many people in society have 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 become fed up with the sheer number not the percentage not the rate but but just the 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 raw number of times where people are killed by the police where where they shouldn't be, and there are things that can be done about that. People, uh, well, hold on to that. Uh, just just to interject one second. Well, what do you think about the statistics that say that more there are more white people shot by white people, or there's there's more white people shot by white cops than there is black people shot by white cops, versus there are more black people shot by other black people in general. So. More white people are shot by white cops than there are black people shot by white cops, statistically speaking. And it, this, you can fact check this. It's it's a, it's a known fact. And, okay, so there's there's a couple couple of things with that. So first of all, you said more black people are shot 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 by other black people that are not cops, and that's what we were talking about at at, at the beginning, which was which was the the number of of people that that die at the end of a firearm via homicide. In this country, many of them are black, and many of the the both victims and and perpetrators and in those cases. And many of the firearms are illegal. <clears throat> and very and, and le illegally owned at the time of commission of of the murder, uh, usually le legally purchased originally. Hmm. That's different than saying that that more white people are are killed by white cops than black people killed killed but by no, white but, cops but, but and no, it's no, but, different but, but back to the point that you just said now legally this is because this is where the liberals are going to they're going to grasp onto that one thing you just said you just said that more black people are killed by other black people by illegal firearms that have been purchased legally at some point that's what you just said and that's what the liberals are going to grab onto and say well if we can regulate the amount of legal 
firearms, meaning if we can stop it completely and have gun control and then completely take away your firearms, then there is not going to be an illegal firearm, therefore, later on to then be able to, you know, use against another black person. So what I started out by, by saying at the beginning of, of this, this episode was that, was that uh, looking at public policy in, in, a, in a simple or strict risk mitigation or, or risk control or risk management perspective is, is extremely useful, right? So risks are composed of hazards and, and every hazard has a, uh, has a severity and, and a likelihood. <clears throat> there, and, and, and each hazard in in many cases hazards have multiple mitigation measures that that are are can be presented as options to to actually mitigate to to uh lower maybe the sever- the severity and or the likelihood of a particular hazard manifesting itself 100% so to say if we had less guns there would be less people killed by guns is a logical reasonable and and um, for lack of a better word, feasible option if if you are going to disregard the Second Amendment, if you're going to disregard the the uh, opinions and desires of a a vast majority of this country, probably more than fifty percent, who who believe that that gun ownership is 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 vital, not just because of the rationale uh, for the creation of the Second Amendment, but but you know just as 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 a freedom, right? Look at Australia. Australia outlawed, you know, after their their port Port St. Lucie or Port St. Arthur, remember the name. They're, they had a massacre in the nineties and uh, or mass shooting, and and they outlawed they outlawed firearms, and that's fine. They have very few mass shootings, and and as far as I know, very few uh, uh, homicides during the commission of of a crime. But they are it's a different country, and it's a different set of people. There's like I said, there's enough people that would say they don't want that. So what you just said, the liberals would jump on it. You're right. The people that would jump on it effectively are disregarding their, their, the, the wishes and desires of, of uh, their fellow countrymen. And to them, I would say they need to look for other mitigating measures. And there are other mitigating measures. They just need to consider them. Okay. Now you answered what I was going to say earlier. But another point is if there were – if don't you think – that if there were, and this is just, you know, I'm throwing some dust into the wind here. If there were stricter gun control laws, but other people, but people wanted still to kill other people, don't you think they would still find a way, even if guns didn't exist? Plenty of people die in Japan, Australia, the UK, right? Other, other westernized. But how? Give me examples on how people kill other people without guns. We're going to go down this rabbit hole. People can be choked to death. People can be punched to death. People can be hit by cars. People can be stabbed to death. People can be kicked in the head. Uh, people can be. People can use spoons, right? You can you can use the Kimura maneuver to <laughs> <laughs> to kill people, right? Uh, I don't that, know if a Kimura is going to kill anybody. <laughs> It'll hurt them enough to where you can have a time to figure out how as, to kill them. That's right. As an example, or, I mean, who knows? You could, you could. Uh, Shout out to errors. You could probably, you know, puncture a blood vessel and with enough blood loss. Anyway, hit so, them with a blunt object. Hit them, sure, sure. But it, it, it's again, this is this is a rabbit hole because 
the the argument that that people will always find a way to kill other people is is beside the point and it it um it obfuscates sort of the the premise right the question is how do we stop people from dying with guns well we take away the guns but won't still people die your question was how do we stop people from from dying from guns right so so from don't guns. R- from guns right so that's that's the topic and again you, you know the the question the sort of to put it plainly to get more bang for your buck legislation in this country should be focused on the the illegal guns causing homicide during the commission of 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 other crimes right that should be the focus the the number of mass shootings in this country uh, sort of the, the sheer number and also the the rate is low compared to the other types of shootings that are, that are, that occur right and so if if you're going to to allocate any resources the resources should be allocated in in order of of impact or or put another way in in order of uh of of mitigating effects okay all right and with that ladies and gentlemen i think we're gonna call it a day here and i think we have plenty to talk about on our next episode of the podcast i'd like to thank my co-host charlie i'd like to thank my co-host dominic god bless america and god bless you and me that says it all folks Bye-bye.